Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Jairus apparently had full faith that Jesus could heal his daughter of whatever ailment that she had. That Jesus had the power, had the authority to come and heal her on her sickbed. He had just seen the Lord bring this healing on this woman with such a devastating ailment. And this is again a further affirmation that this rabbi, this Jesus, has the power to heal the sick. And whatever amount of faith he had for the healing power of Jesus prior to that, I believe that absolutely it was boosted up greatly at this point in time. Sometimes when our faith is at its highest, the enemy comes in to try to steal our hope. In today's message from Luke chapter 8, Pastor David teaches us about a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader who begged Jesus to heal his sick daughter. Jairus had faith that Christ could heal. However, As Jairus and Jesus traveled to the home where the sick child lay, they received news that Jairus' daughter had died. It was in this low, desperate moment that Jesus demonstrated his glory and power. Now here's Pastor David as he continues a series in Luke entitled, A Desperate Faith. Well, last week, if you were with us, as we've been looking through the gospel according to Luke, we're in chapter 8. We're down uh, in the verses, uh, verses 40 through 56. Last week, we looked at one of two individuals that were healed by the Lord. We looked at that, uh, that unnamed woman. But we started off last week, as I shared with you, that uh, uh, I believe that every one of us pray. Every one of us pray. And I shared with you last week that some pray rarely, some pray regularly, some pray consistently, and others pray continually. And much of that depends upon the situation that you're in. If uh, you're in a desperate situation, you're going to be one of those who are consistently and continually praying and seeking the Lord in your life. Hopefully, you'll be praying with an expectation that the Lord is going to hear your prayer, and He's going to answer your prayer, and He's going to give you peace in the midst of whatever situation that you personally might be going through, or a loved one that you know that they're going through, that His peace might reign in the midst of all of those things. In those times, we know that it's only the Lord that can deal with those situations in our lives. And just as we're gonna, we've seen in this passage, there's, there's very little that we can do in some situations. There's, there's nothing that we can do other than just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, you know our frame. 
You know that we're dust. You know that we have no ability to save or to care or, or to deal with this situation ourselves. And so, Lord, we come to you in the midst of it. As we shared last week of those two, Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, he came to Jesus in desperation. His, his daughter was on the very verge of death. And then we shared about that unnamed woman, again, with that unspoken plea as she reached out with that determination that was driven by her desperation, and with that expectation, she received from the Lord that healing. Only she was, she was only able to do that because she reached out, as Jesus says, your faith has made you well. After 12 years of desperation, she now had a, literally a new life because that flow of blood had ceased. She was healed from that. She now had wholeness. She now had completeness. She had a faith-filled interaction with the Savior. And again, as I shared last week, it wasn't so much her faith that healed her as it was that her faith drove her to the one who is the healer. Without faith, she wouldn't have she wouldn't have ever ventured out into those crowds. She was an unclean woman, and for her to go out into those crowds, man, she knew that that would, uh, could very well be a death sentence for her. But by faith, she reached through, and without faith, she would have never reached out to touch that only one, the only one, that could bring about that final deliverance to her body and her soul. So now let's go back. Let's look at the Scripture, and this time we're going to look at Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. I'm going to leave out the passage dealing with the unnamed woman. If you weren't here, last week. You can go online. You can get the message. But right now, we'll begin in chapter 8, beginning in verse 40, as we read the passage. And so it was, when Jesus returned, that the multitude welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Stop right there and look again. We, we look at this man named Jairus. Perhaps he was named after Jair, one of the earlier judges of Israel. His name means Yahweh or Jehovah enlightens. We look at this man, he's listed as an officer of the synagogue. He's a leader, he's a ruler of the synagogue. He wouldn't have been a rabbi, but he was a man of, of great importance within that Jewish community. He had a great responsibility with his service to the synagogue. He would be the one that would direct the order of the service during the times of their worship together, during their Sabbath meetings. He was also the one that was charged with taking care or arranging for the care of the, 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 the physical needs of the synagogue. And as the synagogue ruler or leader, there's, there's no doubt he would have been a, a well-to-do man within that community. You wouldn't get that position without being in the upper echelon of your community, some status that you would have. And we can't say for certain, but you would think that a man with this high of a status within the community, he would be one, again, a very strict observer of the law, he would strictly observe all the, the, the rituals and the ceremonies. And I think that it would have probably been for him a, a pretty difficult thing to go and humble himself before anybody. He was a man of stature. He was a man of position and, and place. And yet we read here that even as an influential leader within that community, Luke tells us that he went, he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him, to come to his house. 
This is a man of desperation, a man of position, and yet he comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. This rabbi that he's heard of, and perhaps he's seen some of the miracle works, and now there's a desperate need within his life, and he comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus, and he begs him. He begs him to come. Now, it's interesting, back in chapter 7, we read where another had invited Jesus to come to his house. Remember Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to come to his house? Well, this isn't an invitation. This is a begging. This is a pleading, come here. The other thing that we see is Simon's invite wasn't, a, wasn't an invite of desperation. It was an invite of deception. He wanted Jesus to come to his house in order that he might catch him in some way. He invited him under false pretenses. And here Jairus comes, and Jairus opens himself up totally to the Lord. No falseness, no pretense. He fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house. Why? Because of the desperateness of that situation. In verse 42, we read that he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. I don't know how close death has been to all of you. I know some of you have experienced death very closely, very close family. You know the desperateness, you know the heartbreak of those situations. So can you understand a little bit of what's going on in Jairus' heart and his mind right now? As we shared last week, the language could be interpreted as this is his only daughter, or more than likely this was his only child who was a daughter. But either way, she was in the last stages of death. She, was, she wasn't just sick. She was already in that process of dying. And Mark tells, Mark, in Mark's gospel account, tells us that Jairus begged Jesus earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. At her age, at 12 years old, she was actually right, believe it or not, right on the threshold of marriage age. You know, during that culture, a, a young girl of 13 or 14, they're, they're ready for marriage, moms. Uh, dads, are you ready for that, for a daughter of 13 or 14 to be married? Uh, I wouldn't be at this point, but in that culture, that was, a, that was a normal thing. She was right there at the very threshold of that time in her life. But unless a miracle occurred, she was never going to be given in marriage. And so Jesus turns and he begins going to Jairus' house. The, the multitudes thronged him. And in the midst of that multitude, that woman having that issue of blood uh, for 12 years comes and interrupts the proceedings. It's interesting, a 12-year-old girl and a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. I wonder, I wonder if Jairus looked at that and, and felt that this woman was an interruption, felt that she was a distraction for the needs that he had a delay in getting the help that he needed so desperately for his daughter. Or maybe it was that through the miracle that Jesus did in this woman, that it actually boosted, it, it, it built up Jairus' faith. This woman's had that issue for 12 years. My daughter's 12 years old. As he healed her, he can do the same thing with my own daughter. Well, Jesus took the time to minister to that woman. As we looked at that miracle last week, we realized it, it probably only took a, a few moments' worth of time. Uh, the woman snuck in, touched his garment. Jesus turned around. Who touched me? The woman said, I did. And she explained what was going on. And Jesus says, daughter, your, your faith has made you whole. Go in, in peace. And it was pretty well all over. It didn't really take that big amount of time. She received her healing through that act of faith. And as Jesus was finishing his ministry to this woman, though, 
in just that short period of time, Jairus receives what I believe would be the most heartbreaking news that he could have heard. In verse 49, jump down there. Verse 49 says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter's dead. Don't, you don't need to bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. But when Jesus heard it, he answered saying, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Okay, now I, I want you to think about this for a moment with me. Jairus apparently had full faith that Jesus could heal his daughter of whatever ailment that she had, that Jesus had the power, had the authority to come and heal her on her sickbed. He had just seen the Lord bring this healing on this woman with such a devastating ailment. And this is, again, a further affirmation that this rabbi, this Jesus, has the power to heal the sick. And whatever amount of faith he had for the healing power of Jesus prior to that, I believe that absolutely it was boosted up greatly at this point in time. But at the very same time his faith is being boosted, in comes something that knocks his faith way down. Your, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I believe that Jairus was probably at first saying, yes, I've, I've got the right one. This is the one that can bring healing to my daughter. And almost at the very same time, those thoughts were coming through his mind. Suddenly and abruptly, all of that stopped. How final those words have to be. Your daughter's dead. It's not like, hey, you've got a condition we need to look at. It's not like, hey, we've discovered you have cancer. Hey, we've discovered this great sickness. Hey, you need to have this major operation. No, he comes and says, no, your daughter's dead. It's over. It's done. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Can you imagine just, just, just the depths that, that in just that moment, Jairus had to plunge to? There echoing in his head was this battle between faith and doubt, between physical reality and his desperate need for that supernatural miracle. Don't trouble the teacher. There's absolutely no doubt that Jairus was beginning to fall headlong into this bottomless pit of fear. Fear that he had lost his daughter, the, the one whose name means Jehovah enlightens is now about to go into the deepest of darkness, into the midst of all of the sorrow that you can even begin to imagine that his only child, his daughter, had now died. And we know that this is happening to him, that it's going through his mind, uh, his understanding right now that he's plunging into despair because Jesus, who knows the heart of all men, turns to Jairus and says, Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. Now, for you and I here sitting today, we think, yeah, come on, Jairus, we know the end of the story. Hang in there, Jairus, it's going to be okay. We know that just a moment, he's going to raise your daughter from the dead. But you know what? If you're Jairus, you don't know that. And in the midst of whatever you might be going through this morning, you don't know that either. You have faith, you have hope, you have belief that the Lord Jesus is going to work and move in whatever situation that might be in your life right now. It, it, it is a work of faith. But you know what? At the same time, we try to, again, stand in faith. The enemy of our soul does everything that he can to come and attack that faith and bring doubt and to bring fear. I'm going to give you this morning the very same words that Jesus spoke to Jairus. Don't be afraid but only believe. 
trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever situation that you may be going through. Does that mean that everything's going to turn out the exact same way that, that you want it to turn out? No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I wouldn't be so bold or, 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 or deceptive to say that to you. But I can say that in the midst of the situation, that he can and he will sustain each one of us. When our hearts and our thoughts and our minds are kept on him, that he can hold us, that he can preserve us, he can keep us, even through the toughest of storms, the darkest of nights. Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe to Jairus. And he said, and, and she will be made well. Well, what exactly did he mean, she'll be made well? She doesn't need to be made well, she's dead. She needs to be brought back from the dead. And I, I, again, I think that Jairus' mind is, is reeling at this moment, at this time. At this point in time in his spiritual journey, he has to be pretty much in, in harmony with that other father whose son was demon-possessed. And Jesus says, if you'll only believe. And the man, what did he say? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jairus had come to Jesus to heal his sick daughter, but now his daughter is dead. And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe. I believe Jairus is saying, I can believe to this level. Help all my unbelief. I don't know about you, but I come there quite often. A lot of times it's easier for me to believe in faith for you than it is for me. I can believe in faith that what God's going to do in your life more often than what I can believe in my own life. I believe that that's an honest prayer that many of us can pray in situations that we come into on a regular basis. Lord, I believe that you're able to do this, but Lord, you know that there's still doubt in me, and if it's up to me, I'm in a world of hurt. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Verse 51 says that when, when, he, or when Jesus came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept, and they mourned for her. But he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. Now, who is this that's mourning and weeping? Who is this that's ridiculing Jesus? The scene had to be pretty crazy at that point in time. The family had known for some time that, again, this girl, she was so sick, she's passing in to death. And so they had what are called the mourners there at that place. Mark, again, in Mark's gospel, tells us that as Jesus came to the house, he saw a tumult and those who wept and, and, and wailed loudly, wailed loudly. Matthew tells us of the same incident. And he says that when Jesus came, Jesus saw the, the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. You see, at this point in time in that culture, they had what are called professional mourners. Professional mourners, those are the ones that would come and they were available to be able to come and assist the family in their time of sorrow. In the Old Testament, the prophets Jeremiah and Amos speak about bringing in the mourning women, not the AM women, the, the mourning, the crying women. They, they also speak of bringing in the, the skillful wailing women. They, they also talk about the skillful lamenters. They bring them in as part of that grieving process for the family. But as Jeremiah and Amos were saying, no, you need to bring them in because of the grieving process for what's going on in Israel. But in that culture, they had these professional 
lamenters. You might say that they were mourners for money, okay? They would come in. Can, can, can you imagine the scene? Hey, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a crier. A crier? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, they, they hire me every once in a while to come and cry at services, you know, just kind of add a little extra sorrow to the situation. And as a matter of fact, I, I play the flute too. And if you've never hear, heard the blues played on the flute, man, you, you've never heard the blues played. You know, a professional mourner, and they would have these people that would come. Jesus saw the commotion, and he told them, Hush, she's not dead. She's sleeping. But he was speaking about that physical versus the spiritual status of that young lady. He wasn't saying that she had only slipped into a coma. Don't, don't misunderstand here. There was no doubt that the young lady had slipped into physical death. And Jairus, with his position and his wealth, no doubt he had probably hired the best of doctors to come and care for and watch over his daughter to, to whatever. And when they said that she's dead, there was no doubt that she was dead. But here comes Jesus, and he says, no, she's, she's not dead, but sleeping. And, and the, the wailers, these professional mourners, began to ridicule him. And the other gospel writer says that they, they laughed him to scorn. They laughed at him, and I mean, after all, they were professionals. They, they, they know what death looks like. And here comes this rabbit. No, she's not dead. Can you just imagine how they would have treated him? But you see, for the Son of God, death really isn't an obstacle at all. And that's, that's kind of hard for us to really understand. That death and life are not an obstacle in any way, shape, or form for Christ. And neither is the situation that you may be in. You may think that your situation is really huge and really big, and I'm not belittling it or bringing it down in any way. But let me assure you, he who reigns over life and death also reigns over every situation that you and I may find ourselves in. Do not fear, but only believe. We've already seen him raise the widow of Nain's son. And remember the widow of Nain's son, man, they were, they were taking him to put him in the ground. That's how dead he was. They were ready for that. And remember, Jesus just came and he touched the open box where the young man was and he sat up. Made, he was alive. In a while in the gospel, we'll see where Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And Lazarus, well, he was already in the tomb. He was, for four days he had been buried. Surely, Lord, he stinketh. I mean, he is, he, is, he is that dead. And yet Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Death isn't an obstacle. And if death isn't an obstacle, what in our life would be an obstacle so great that our Lord could not cover it and take care of it? It's not even an inconvenience for Jesus. It's only an opportunity for him to be able to demonstrate the power of God to a desperate people. And I believe the same in the situations that we may find ourselves in. We may find ourselves in those desperate situations. And we cry out to God because there's nothing that we can do. And you know, that's where the Lord shines the greatest is when we finally come to the end of ourselves and we say, I cannot do anything about this. And I believe the Lord says, it is about stinking time. Let go of it and let me work my work within your life. 
Jesus dismissed all of these ridiculers, all the, all the faithless ones, and he allowed only the father and mother and Peter, James, and John to go with him into that room where this young girl was laying in the bed. She was perished. can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.